Welcome to Primary Care Talks with the Eastern Academic Health Science Network. I'm your host, Dr. Hassan Jahan. In today's episode, we're going to be speaking to Jonathan Tustain, who's an immersive technology consultant. In essence, we're talking about virtual reality and augmented reality. This technology is no longer limited to just science fiction movies. We see it in gaming, we see it in apps, and now we're starting to see its application within the commercial sector. I'm going to be talking to Jonathan today about his exciting work and specifically how this can be applied to the health sector. Jonathan, thank you for joining us today. I perhaps would like to start with you telling us a little bit about your background and how you got involved in the health sector. Sure. Uh, I've, well, I've been interested in virtual reality for, well, for many years, basically since the 90s, since uh, we were all planning to be by this time wearing headsets and living in this very futuristic kind of cyberpunk world. And I remember going to a show called Games Master Live and being incredibly disappointed by these big bulky headsets <laughs> and, and terrible graphics. But ever since the Oculus was announced, um, it's it's obviously completely changed. I've been working within, uh, I used to work with a company called Edition, and we did a lot of kind of high-end, big production virtual experiences. Um, and then I launched a, a headset. Um, up until more recently, I, I wrote a book and um, then really kind of t- trying to sort of fuse my uh, passions together. Uh, I became very interested in health, well-being and fitness. Um, I myself lost a lot of weight. I lost four stone weight um, and became very curious as to sort of know more about how this technology can be motivational for people, you know, healthcare itself or the NHS uh, or other health providers. I know I'm looking at this, but it's actually still a bit of a mystery as how it can can solve some of these problems. That's fascinating to hear. So, so actually, you've got a real personal interest in that. Not only were you interested from a young age, it's made an impact on your life as an individual. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would say that I'm not saying that it was virtual reality that that, that <laughs> made me lose weight, but um, but purely from a from a weight loss perspective, it's been incredible to see that there's companies, for example, like um, FitXR, who are doing very, very well by gamifying fitness. Um, and having incredible results. I mean, I, I tried their experience and my BPM went through the roof <laughs> and I classify myself as pretty fit. So yeah, you're seeing gyms now incorporating virtual reality to, sort of as a motivational tool because it does attract people, uh, you know, because let's face it, going to the gym is, can be pretty boring for people. So it's something that I definitely, in terms of my health has is obviously increased down to weight loss, uh, which obviously leads on to many other health benefits. Now I'd like to know how can that actually, not just for weight loss, but how can this technology improve outcomes for people going through a number of different uh, health issues? So again, fascinating to hear. So I, I guess what really would be interesting to hear about is is with regards to virtual reality and augmented reality, uh, how do you think it specifically fits into the health sector? Do you see in your experience any opportunities? Absolutely. First of all, there's an incredible amount of case studies out there. Um, unfortunately, they are they tend to be done in, in silos. So you ha- you have a university doing some experiment, you will have a healthcare provider trying something. But generally, if you think about a just taking the physical form of a virtual reality headset, I'm talking virtual rather than augmented at the moment. If you, you could effectively simulate anything, and that that leads on to particular conditions uh, that lend themselves to this type of technology. So, for example, um, Alzheimer's, dementia. There's been a lot of research that's gone in, into how VR can assist people. Um, it's shown to reduce stress levels of, of people with these conditions. It can 
break the fog of declining memory and, and mobility can have a have a very beneficial effect in the way it relaxes patients. Um, and it's based on a lot of this thing called reminiscence therapy. So you're, you're simulating effectively the past, which actually has a very positive outcome for patients. There's, there's lots of data that, that's showing, you know, some incredible statistics that's showing that dementia is something that, that VR can certainly help. But, but also not just from a therapy perspective. I know that there's, there's um, for example, Alzheimer's research they've used virtual reality to detect signs of dementia because if you think about it you're not just um viewing something of virtual reality like you might be with television you're you're interacting with something so for example alzheimer's research they created effectively a game where you have to chart your way through this complex pathway of waterways and and oceans etc and and the way the patients navigated uh the way they they orientated themselves they are they are seeing how they can use that to try and spot the early signs of the, the, the disease. Mental health is a huge, huge topic at the moment anyway, um, going into a completely different sector. But I had a meeting recently with uh, several people from the, the construction industry, and they were saying that their mental health is, is something that they're really trying to address. That's just in construction, but we all know that mental health is a, is a big topic anyway. So how can you use virtual reality um, for things like depression, anxiety, um, any kind of phobias. There has been a huge amount of evidence that it's incredibly therapeutic and, and can actually uh, replace some pharmaceuticals in, in, in some ways. Cognitive behavioral therapy, there actually there is a term now called VRCBT. So, so actually using virtuality to enhance traditional CBT practices. Um, and something I'm becoming very involved with, it, and that's uh, physical rehabilitation. You use VR to motivate people to do their, their exercises. Um, and pain management as well, that's another major thing. And that, and that is more of a passive experience. But if you can, you know, for example, if, if somebody's in pain or having chronic pain conditions, again, time and time and time again, it's been shown that, that if you put a VR headset on, that, that that has a very distracting technique, and especially if you add in some form of interactivity to that, then that that's proven very beneficial as well. I suppose a question that people might be asking out there is: we've talked about virtual reality. Uh, what's what's the difference between that and augmented reality? I mean, most of us have grown up, as you said, with the concept of VR and and sort of relate it to science fiction and technology. But the augmented reality, uh, I'm not so clear on that. Could you explain? Sure. So virtual reality is is effectively covering your entire field of view. It's 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 trying to 100% simulate a different world. So you put on a virtual headset and you can't see anything apart from those virtual images. Augmented reality, or some people call it mixed reality, is where you've got virtual objects but within your real world it's, it's sort of anchored to your real world so for example i could look at my real table through a mixed reality headset and i could see a virtual tennis ball on, on the table that we could roll off and drop to the floor in the real world oh, i see thank you so it, it almost feels a bit like uh, augmented reality is who frames roger rabbit come to life <laughs> absolutely <laughs> uh, uh, Jonathan, a lot of the people that will be will be listening to this podcast will be working in primary care, and, and I myself am a GP. Uh, it'd be interesting to hear your thoughts on how augmented reality or virtual reality could be used in primary care. Yeah, so with primary care, I mean, there's a lot of applications for this technology, certainly at a hospital stage. Um, but you know, looking at the top of the view, for example, um, focus on freeing up resources and and sort of 
self-management of conditions and less trips to the GP, etc. So one example I could give is MSK. There's there's a lot of days lost annually. Um, and also within the NHS itself, people were suffering back pain, etc. And you can use virtual reality as a tool to deliver at home where people have their data captured in a, in a GP practice and then take that home and then follow exercises 100% personalized to their condition. And then that GP can monitor that uh, remotely and um, fuse that with wearables. You can actually get a lot of data that way. Um, I know that because I'm working on a very, a very similar project, but anything therapeutic. So for example, um, obsessive compulsive disorder or uh, mental health conditions, I know that's slightly moving away from your question, but these things can be, can be delivered remotely through, uh, through this technology. The question is, do people have this technology at home? And that's a whole different question. So I, I guess, um, what I'd like to think about Jonathan is, is so, so all of these uses that we've talked about, um, obviously provide some clinical benefit, but, but I know that there are websites where you can watch videos. So if I take, for example, a, a patient that would have had telehealth or, or distant monitoring, they can do these measurements themselves. They can watch videos on the internet about how to do their exercises, or how to do their breathing exercises. Um, I, I guess the question for me is this, this level of technology is going to require a significant investment. So do you think the, the gains are there already to be had or do you think we're actually still in the testing phase at the moment? Yeah, so we're definitely at a stage where it's still very experimental. Um, certainly from, if you look at the private healthcare, particularly in America, these systems are being deployed commercially because they make financial sense. If you can cut the amount of times, for example, somebody has to visit a GP or um, mm. report, then they can, they they certainly can be money saving. The huge issue is that the data is not being shared particularly well. Um, in terms of the costs, there's, the hardware cost has come down considerably. Uh, in terms of virtual reality, each headset now is the one you would kind of use is about 200 pound. Uh, you can imagine you would loan those out to patients. It's, it's not a huge cost. The cost of doing the uh, producing the content um can can be lower cost as well i mean it, it depends on how interactive that content is how personalized it is if it's then integrated into the nhs data capture systems and, and everything it, it can be quite vast this is why i personally believe that any implementation should be done kind of effectively across the board uh, and using a, a effectively cloud-based vr uh, where it kind of lives on the cloud and then you can access it that way you're listening to Primary Care Talks with Dr. Hassan Johan. And I understand that you've done some work on the use of uh, augmented reality, virtual reality in self-care. Do you think you could tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so I'm working on a project at the moment that uh, will offer some relief for people with tinnitus. It's something I've had for, for quite a few years, uh, and that will offer a form of uh, virtual cognitive behavioral therapy. It will mask their, their, their particular tinnitus sound with uh, what they, they can select various sounds. And it will also offer some very kind of focused relaxation to actually just detract and reduce some of the stress experience that you get with tinnitus. Um, and then the other projects I'm working on is a device where you have your body mapped at the GP, is scanned. You're given a personalized avatar and then you go home and you're given through a mirror some exercises that you have to match, you have to mirror. And then that data is sent back to the GP who can then monitor 
that uh, to give you some motivation. What, what I'd like to very much say is that the very medium of AR and VR, I know you mentioned there that you can, you can watch videos, but actually it's actually incredibly motivating for people. So sometimes you can do the same thing not in VR, but the fact that it is VR means that people are more inclined to actually do it because it's gamified things in a more effective way. Perfect. I think that brings out the competitive nature in individuals as well, I would have guessed. <laughs> I mean, I'll just give you a very quick example. James Palace, um, it was just, they did a suicide prevention tool and, and actually they all they were doing is delivering information to men suffering depression. But what they, the way they did it is they offered crisis cards to people or they went to stadiums, A&E departments, university campuses. And then when, when you had picked up that card, you looked through the phone and an avatar would pop up from that card and give you immediate support. So this was sort of a way of reaching out to people. You're giving the same information, but in a completely different way, which means the response is a lot more positive. Well, I've heard of some apps that do something similar, don't they, where where you can um, use, I think they're kids' characters for, for children with mental health illness to try and support them through similar sorts of episodes, actually. Right, absolutely, yeah. So, Jonathan, one of the biggest challenges we've got within the NHS is not only the the aspect of the workload of patients in terms of the, you know walking through the door with with their various ailments, but but it's at the other end trying to cater for those individuals through workforce and recruitment. So, so one of our biggest challenges is trying to recruit more staff to primary care. Do you think there's a role for AR VR? Oh, 100%. I mean, um, any time that virtual reality has been used for recruitment has been hugely successful. I've, I've worked on a project that, that had amazing results for a beauty company. British Army saw their recruitment go up by 67% when they did their virtuality recruitment campaign. So absolutely, the thing is, it's all about perceptions, isn't it? So And, and sourcing that information. So if you decide that you definitely don't want to be a nurse because you, you have a perception of what being a nurse is or a perception of what being a GP is, especially if you see the news now you see it here all you hear about is stress and workload then you're like you're you're probably not going to look out for that information but if you're uh, in, in an environment where somebody hands you a headset where you can navigate through various roles within the nhs and then you have a direct link to a, a pathway of how you can then explore that option further then typically it's very, very successful. So that's something else I'm also involved with is, is how we can use this technology to expose people to the benefits of working in healthcare. So there's absolutely no reason why there can't be a campaign to show the inner workings of working in HS using the power of this technology virtual and augmented reality. That's great to hear. I mean, I know there are apps at the moment that you can use, which try and, you know, put you into a nursing environment or even a, an, a surgical environment in terms of uh, operating and seeing how you can do that. Times have moved on from the, the days of playing operation uh, with your friends. Right. <laughs> Showing my age now. <laughs> but, but I guess also the other thing is AI and, and all these other technologies will hopefully make the roles uh easier for GP or not easier, but take some of, free up some of that time resource, which will then hopefully have a knock-on effect and encourage more people into the industry. Well, let's, let's hope. I think, you know, we could, actually, we could use all the help we get. Jonathan, how about we talk a little bit about um, artificial intelligence? Do do you think that has a role within AR, VR? Yeah, I mean, the, the link is not as obvious as, for example, sort of, using AI to scan some data from an MRI machine, for example. But but actually, um, the way AI can be used with uh, VR is, is effectively avatars. So avatars become uh, more 
responsive to somebody. So if you're having, for example, a, a virtual doctor uh, that you can download from whatever, then that doctor, rather than using AI as a chatbot, that can actually have a virtual avatar in front of you to diagnose you. Uh, there's companies, for example, like M-Tech that have a, a headset that actually has sensors all over your face and it um, can actually see the way you respond and your emotional state to, to certain things, which again could be great for VR, CBT. When you use artificial intelligence there to analyze the motions of the face, yeah, it's not as obvious as some other AI applications in, in there, but it's, they, can, they can absolutely be integrated, just like with 5G, for example. I'm starting to see how, how that could work now, actually, because as you mentioned, there's, there's, there's already software tools that will try, start, try to triage and screen medical ailments uh, when you phone with a particular set of conditions. Right. So, so actually, if you could go one step further and start to have something like virtual reality, augmented reality, where, as you say, you've got the face of a, a, a person listening to everything you're saying, I suppose there's something quite therapeutic about that for the individual, but also then that person's giving you their advice. It, maybe that's one step beyond just a computer saying, do this, do that. Maybe it makes it more real for people. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's um, th there's still some way to go for it. I mean, AI is is still, I still think, quite an early stage for, for actual deployment in terms of a VR or immersive context anyway. Um, but it's, it's very, very exciting that, that you can, uh, they call it personality agents. So when you apply effectively a personality to an avatar that can become completely responsive to you. But again, it's, that information might be easily sourceable online as on a chatbot, but what we're trying to do is actually make that information more accessible to people, more natural and more inclined, you know, for example, men not going to the GP as much as maybe they should do, would they be more inclined to deal with an avatar, you know, rather than go to GP for something embarrassing, for example. I mean, the amount of times I've heard people say, oh, no, there's no way I can go to the GP, how embarrassing. This is just thought process. This is not, you know, it, it needs experimentation, it needs research. I can't help but think, um, you know, whereas I'm a big fan and advocate for technology, um, I'm just cautious of the fact that sometimes it can perhaps increase social isolation and exclusion. Yeah. Uh, do, do you think that's a big risk if we if we take this technology to the next level? Absolutely. And I think that, I mean, I, I, I do obviously uh, think immersive technology has a huge benefit, but I would say I'm not an evangelist for it in terms of I don't think it should be used in any way that isolates people the fact is virtual reality can be incredibly isolating if you put a headset on you're actually closing yourself off to the world so it has to be used i think in the professional environments so, so one, one one of the work streams actually that the eastern academic health science network's working on is called little sparks which uses virtual reality uh, for children and, and young patients that are due to come into hospital mm -hmm. to try and alleviate some of the anxiety they may have about the ward about the processes or procedures that they might undergo uh, technology like that i think really has a, has a great place to try to uh, bring more people towards healthcare like the example you, you cited of uh, uh, gentlemen that have uh, embarrassing conditions. Yeah, and I know that, for example, there's a, uh, a company based here in Birmingham called Holosphere, uh, and they did something similar, actually. They actually had David Attenborough donate his voice. Uh, incredibly relaxing. It's called the Forest of Serenity to relax you before having an operation. So, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, certainly been explored. So so be bearing that in mind, do, do you get to go to all these shows and, and obviously your interest in this field, if not... Um, immersed in it yourself. Um, what do you think are the next big developments in AR, VR that could affect healthcare or primary care? 
so I think that 5G will have a huge impact, which allows you to take the load off the headsets and stream it from the cloud, which will, will open up lots of possibilities. Um, that will mean that we can get big data through. I know the NHS generates a huge amount of data. So uh, I know, for example, in Cambridge, they, they took a, a cube of breast cancer. They did some wafer thin slices of that. They rebuilt it in VR, and then they were able to view that 3D tumor and, and spot patterns they couldn't have done before. Uh, if you can then live stream that data to multiple people with headsets who can all give their who can all be looking at this huge data set uh, in a in a 3D visual space, that's going to be incredible for for looking for new ways of diagnosing things. So yeah, big data, 5G, and obviously AI. They're the things to look out for. Fantastic. So it's a really clearly interesting times. You know, there are some things that we lead on as a country, and some things we're not. Um, where do you think we are as a country with AR and VR compared to? To others in the world well i well i do have some good news actually on that one but we're absolutely leading the way uh, i feel very lucky to live in the uk when it comes to vr and ar and so, and actually all the other fourth industrial revolution technologies government are very very supportive they have something called innovate uk so that's great there's always some kind of fund available to, to apply for but i recently i was part of the future tech roadshow that the eastern academic health science network did and i think the, the network of academic health science networks are great because one of the big issues is that it's all very well, you know, Innovate UK funding something, but we need the link between, you know, people like myself and technology providers and the practitioners within AHS to actually really collaboratively work together because there's all sorts of concerns that are raised, you know, particularly things like with data, you know, how are we going to manage that data? Sometimes technology can make life more difficult for a practitioner rather than simple, rather than easier, you know? So all these conversations through... Uh, things like the academic health science networks are absolutely essential. Can't just be the tech companies. You can create these experiences, but they really should be built from the ground up with the consultation of people working within the the, uh, the space, rather than being created and hoping that that's going to solve a problem. Sounds like we really are leading the way um, with people like yourself, of course, helping us. Uh, so I, I guess um, you know from talking to you, Jonathan, it's clear that you've got a, a long history of working with VRAR. You've got um, an interest and have had a lot of experience now in terms of applications within the health sector. Uh, and we've learned about the fact that there's increasing uh, innovation around the use of this technology, not just within the health sector. Uh, I guess, really, with all that going on, what, what, what's well, next on the agenda for you? Um, I'm, I'm 100% going to focus on the, the Tintus, the uh, physiotherapy tool, uh, and also looking at how we can use VR for attracting more people uh, into healthcare as a career. But I'm also going to be looking at um, the consumer side of things as well. How can we use virtual reality and wearables? How can we link wearables to motivational tools in VR to increase your uh, motivation to get fit and healthy. That's my focus. Uh, I'm very excited about it. It sounds very exciting. Jonathan, it's been fascinating talking to you and hearing about all of the work you're doing within the field of VR and AR. And I think it's it's, a for, it's fortunate for us as a country that we've got people like you leading the way on things like this. Uh, it's clear that there are going to be some changes within the health sector, not least workforce, but also around the demand and the shaping of uh, how we're actually going to be looking after patients. Uh, and, I, and I see this technology really being at the forefront in helping us with some of those challenges. Uh, if somebody wanted to contact you to get more information, is it okay if we put your email address out with the podcast? Of course, yeah, absolutely. Always open for collaboration. So yeah, that's great. Perfect. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. I think what we've learned today from talking to Jonathan 
is that the application of AR and VR in the health sector is something that we really should be exploring. We're clearly leading on this field internationally, which gives us the perfect springboard to wider use within the health sector and primary care in particular. Just a quick reminder from me, if you are planning any new initiatives, please make sure that you keep within NICE guidelines.